good, my good people? Welcome to another episode of the Legends of Athletics podcast. I'm your host, Justin Miller. Uh, of course, you know me. This is like, I don't know exactly which episode number this is. We're at 50 plus, and I, I haven't taken time to just keep up right now with uh, which episode number this is. But, guys, we've been getting great support. We've been getting great feedback, and the numbers are climbing, of course, as far as plays, downloads, and people are really talking about and sharing the things that I have been giving to you guys on this podcast. So, for that, I would like to say thank you um, from the bottom of my heart, and right now, I'm giving you guys a silent round of applause. Uh, uh, with many hands that I don't have. And so I want to say thank you for that. If you have not taken the time to follow us on any social media platform right now, go do that. Uh, if you're on Instagram, go to Legends of Athletics 19. If you're on Facebook, go to Legends of Athletics. If you're on Twitter, go to Legends of Ath. And if you're not on any of those three platforms, those are the only three platforms that we're on. If you're not on any of those, then send us an email at legendsofathletics19 at gmail.com. It takes a team to keep this thing going. Though I, though I'm the voice that you hear, the majority of the time it takes a team to get this thing to keep this thing rolling and keep it going. Um, and that before we get into our, our topic for today or tonight, uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, um, we're gonna be talking about speed. But before we get into that, before before I segue into that that topic, I want to give you guys a little brief insight on some things that I've been doing for this new year that have really helped me um, in this new year thus far, as far as gaining perspective. As far as being more present with things around me, not just my family or relatives, but with all my relationships, even with friends, this, that, whatever, um, just give you guys some insight. So one of the things for this new year that I've been doing is, and and, and we're going to have a podcast episode about this, about spiritual health, but um, it's really going back to the roots of, of, um, of my spiritual health and really working on that and building that. Because you do need to be spiritually strong as well as mentally strong, physically strong, emotionally strong, everything. All that has to wrap into one to be to have overall health and wellness. That's what health and wellness is. And so I've been going back to the core of me. And, you know, for those that, that believe in Christ, those that don't, you know, this is my this is me. This is just a middle. This is my my uh my thoughts and opinions Uh but I've really gone back and, you know, been praying a lot, been getting into my devotional a lot and doing things like that. But one of the biggest things that I have done this year that outside of being spiritual that has really helped me a whole lot is I have taken time away from my cell phone or my digital device or whatever you choose to call it. I've taken time away. Now, for any of those that follow me on social media on any platform, on any of the personal platforms, knows that I am a big person on sharing videos, on making st posting statuses, uh, commenting, things like that. I'm very big on, and so consciously, one thing that I've been doing that I've done is taking the time to. Uh, if you got an iPhone, you know about this feature. It's a real good feature if you use it. Is monitoring my screen time. Of course, weekly it gives you uh if you have the update or if you if you have the the uh, alert on, it gives you the screen time. Like what's your average screen time daily on your device? And so I really look at that. And I at one point I was getting up and I was uh I think I was up to like nine or ten hours a day on my device. And then when you look at it, it gives you a breakdown on social media, business use, uh, things like that. And the majority of it was social media. 
And so what I did consciously, it's been about two weeks now, and I went on my phone and I set a, a timer or like a, not a timer, but a, a limit to my social media usage. And so I allowed myself like two hours a day to start with. And y'all, I'm telling y'all, I ain't just saying this because it's me. I'm not just saying it because it's something to say or something cool to say, whatever. And it, I ain't saying it is easy, but the uh, the amount of work, the amount of productivity that I've been able to achieve since cutting down on it and, and really monitoring what I'm doing, the amount of productivity has gone up. My awareness has gone up. My uh, wherewithal to be attached to things around me has gone up. And of course, like with me, taking phone calls, that's cool. Texting is cool. But even with that, like limiting my conversations as far as casually talking, I've gone down on that too. That I get like a lot of conversations that talk about nothing. Like it's cool to converse as far as like just everyday conversation. We all need it. But, you know, at the same time, whatever you feed yourself, whatever you feed your soul is what you're going to put out. So if you want to really reach your goals and you're serious about it, you got to put that thing in your heart, in your mind. And go after it each and every day. It's one thing to just talk about it. Everybody at this, everybody, y'all hear my, my southern accent right there. Everybody, everybody takes the time to talk about goals, especially in the beginning of the year, especially in this month of January. You know, they have the, the resolutions, you know what I'm saying? And resolutions are cool, but nobody ever sticks to a resolution. But if you have goals and you're really serious about obtaining those goals, you will meditate on those goals day and night. The Bible says it too. Meditate both day and night. It says meditate on the word day and night. The same thing with your goal. You got to meditate on them all day, every day in order to reach them. Because when they're on your mind, then you'll think about creative ideas. It'll, open up, it'll unlock new channels in your brain, new avenues that you never, you never would have thought of. And when you can become present with the things that are happening around you, it's amazing what can happen, what you can come up with your whole thought process, your attitude, your wherewithal, everything. Like, I can even tell y'all from the the uh, the stress stressful points that my stress is gone, acute stress has gone down, things like that, because I'm not, I, I've never been a person to compare myself with other people. I love to compete, but I always love to compete with myself and set the new bar for myself. So, I mean, it, it's, it's really great. And if you guys want to try that, hey, I know that was like uh, just a whole thing that's off topic of what we're talking about. But I felt like that was something that that would be good to share with you guys just to give you guys some insight into my life because I'm not perfect. Like I tell y'all on, on all these podcasts, I'm not perfect. This podcast ain't perfect. A lot of things in life are not perfect. But if we try to if we try to practice and I'm, I'm trying to be real careful in saying this, if we try to practice perfection as closely as we can. We will be amazed at the results. That don't mean that we gonna that we will obtain it, but we gotta aim for it. And you know, you'll be amazed at what happens. So, with that, that brings me to the topic for today or tonight or whenever you listen to this podcast. So, we're talking about speed, right? <clears throat> you know, in sports, we always hit the term speed kills. Speed, speed, speed. You want speed on the field, speed on the court. You want a fast team, an athletic team. You want speed. No matter what, it's two things you always gonna want. You want gonna want speed, quick, and quickness. And above those, athleticism. But athleticism, athleticism comes with being fast and being quick. But we're gonna really focus on speed. So what is speed? 
Speed is force generated into the ground times the turnover rate of your legs is the scientific is a scientific way to calculate human speed. So the revolutions or the uh, or, or yeah revolutions is the only word I can think of that talks about you know the rotations of your legs. How how quick are you going through the cycle through the gait pattern of running or sprinting? Um, and how much force you put into the ground. The greater the force you can put into the ground, the faster you're going to become. That's why most time, if you ever want to know if a person is fast, if you want to know how fast they are, ask them to jump. A person's vertical, how, how high they can jump, directly uh, relates to or correlates to the, the speed that they have horizontal, hor, horizontally. So lateral and horizontal speed correlate to give you the overall picture. But force into the ground times revolutions how many times we can turn those legs over um is is one way to calculate speed also stride length and stride frequency so we still talking about the stride the revolutions so, so stride, stride length how much ground we cover and versus the stride frequency of how quick we get through that rotation of getting the legs to the ground up down up down up the how, how quick we go through that uh helps us to calculate speed when we're in the lab or we're looking at it on a, on a scientific type thing now in sports in baseball we have the 60 yard dash and uh track we have the 100 meter dash football we got the 40 yard dash those are ways that we calculate speed for each player um that is straight line unilateral no multi-directional just straight unilateral speed so from point a to point b without cutting without changing direction anything that's how we calculate speed so that's called straight line speed and track is straight line standing in your lane that's it's, it's straight line speed so those are the very basic points of speed so when we talk about it remember stride lunch time stride frequency force into the ground excuse me force into the ground versus revolutions and that's how we describe speed so one question that you may be asking yourself and this this question is asked as asked time and time again by parents by coaches by players alike can speed be taught the short answer is yes um some people are na born naturally fast and some are middle of the road some not so much now there is a genetic ceiling to each person's body so what the body can do so therefore that genetic ceiling is going to allow us it's tell going to tell us are what we can do speed wise can we can we get past that ceiling to an extent yes but we can't completely beat genetics um if you're in a family with uh, a, a majority of big boned individuals who don't have a lot of type 2 muscle fibers are not very quick not very fast you will have a, a ceiling that probably will not allow you to be a 4-3 40-yard dash runner, a 4-4 40-yard dash runner, or a sub-11 a, a sub second if you're in high school, sub-11 second, 100-meter runner. You you won't have that speed, you know what I'm saying? Because that's just your genetic ceiling. That's, your gene that's, how, that's the wall. Now, we can go past it some, but we cannot completely beat it. Now, what we can do is maximize what you have in order to make you the best individual that you can be the best athlete that you can be and that's why i tell every person every kid every parent that comes and works with, works with me is that we're going to make you the best athlete we're going to make your child the best athlete that they can be now <clears throat> that means maximizing every one of the uh strength bases or the potential of that athlete and so we, if everybody was able to run a four four 
it wouldn't be amazing. If everybody was able to run a 4-3, it wouldn't be amazing. But there are limitations to each person. But those top one percenters, two percent, three percent, whatever, uh, that are able to do that is pretty amazing. But you know, can speed be taught to answer that question? Yes, and it takes time. But with with taking time, practicing technique, practicing form, it's possible. Uh, I give you guys this example. <clears throat> when it comes to teaching a forty yard dash, a lot of times, and and, and guys, I'll be on YouTube too. So, uh, Legends of Athletics, we're gonna start uploading a whole bunch of YouTube videos. But with the 40-yard dash, for instance, uh, I can use that. I work with a lot of football players. I work with more football players, I think, than any other sport. But with the 40-yard dash, a lot of times when I get kids, it's just basically learning how to master the 40-yard dash because it's so much, it takes so much technique uh, to master it. That's why guys going to the NFL and things like that hire trainers in order to help them master this technique because, you know, there's, the initial um, acceleration phase um, of the 40-yard dash. Then there's the the uh, getting to top speed. And then there's maintaining top speed to finish the dash. All within four, four point, uh, depending on what position you play, five seconds to four, 4.3 to five seconds, uh, all within that window. And so a lot of times, especially when I get high schoolers, uh, middle schoolers, they don't have a clue at all. But when I get high schoolers or junior college players, um, even collegiate players, you know, teaching the technique of the 40 is is very, very important. And you can get great results by mani- making small changes uh, from foot placement to hand placement to weight distribution to knowing when to uh, breathe in, knowing when to breathe out, knowing when to explode, knowing to knowing how to hold top speed. Um, all of that plays a, a huge part in running a 40-yard dash. It's more, like I said, it's more that goes into it than meets the eye. So you have to master that technique because if it wasn't anything that you had to master, like I said before, it wouldn't be amazing to see people run 4-3s. It wouldn't be a need for sports performance coaches. It wouldn't be a need to even tra- practice running a 40-yard dash because everybody would be able to do it. So a lot of technique goes into it, but speed can be taught. Um, like I said before, everybody has limitations, but you can be faster than what you are. And, uh, you know, we all, like, if you went to college or even if you didn't and you're a personal trainer or you're a sports performance coach and, and you've seen it and heard it time and time again, we all have uh, athletes as, as, as much as anybody else have what they call a prime or they have a window of an athlete playing in their prime, which usually happens between the ages of 25 and 30. And usually after age about 33, 34, you start to see a decline uh, as far as speed, as far as vertical uh, leaping ability, as far as explosion, etc., cetera, um, in an athlete's ability. But this is how I'm telling you. This, this is why I know speed can be taught. Because when I started working as a sports performance coach after post uh post undergrad degree um i was able to to make myself faster just by programming and i was i'm able to maintain that speed i'm 29 years old now and i'm still relatively fast i'm not odell beckham fast i'm not tyreek hill fast but i mean i'm not definitely not usain boat fast but i'm pretty fast for where i was uh compared to high school and it's just mastering technique knowing how to run 
uh, knowing how to have good body lean, things like that. So <clears throat> we talked about the structure um, a little bit in the in the intro to this podcast. So we talked about, you know, stride length and stride and stride frequency. That's the reason that if you if you are a sports performance coach, you already know and some coaches know this as well. But that's one of the reasons that we use uh, cones um, as far as like when we're working on stride length or mini hurdles. Um, is to is to work on their stride length because a lot of people are fast, but they don't use their complete stride length. So what I mean by stride length, and it's kind of hard, you know, I'm trying to break this down and explain it to you as best as I can through this podcast without you visually seeing it. Um, but with stride length, it's basically taking up the maximum uh, amount of ground laterally, no, horizontally, I'm sorry, taking up the maximum amount of ground horizontally as possible while keeping good posture, good explosion, and good ground force. There is a such thing as overstriding. And sometimes when you, when you teach um, stride length, you, you as a coach, you have to be careful and really have an eye and really be in tune with the athletes to see um, if that athlete is overstriding what overstriding looks like, uh, how to correct it. With overstriding, for instance, if there's a mini hurdle drill that I like to like I like to do is I'll take the hurdles and I had the players just run through as fast as they can and progressively I spread the hurdles out and progressively I spread them out. And if you have an athlete that's six two versus an athlete that's five nine, five eight, of course their stride lengths are gonna be different. Because that six two athlete can cover way more ground than a five eight to five nine athlete, and so when you're doing the drill like the mini hurdles, you have to look at. And though players are competitive and they don't want to stop, you have to look at. All right, when I spread these hurdles out to a certain length, if I see that basically it's turning into a bounding exercise, and bounding is basically like skipping or propelling yourself forward as much as possible and you're not really running or producing that force then you are probably nine times out of ten overstriding and you know you have to as a coach have to dial it back tell the player why you're dialing it back and the purpose of it and some players just naturally tell you i, I got some that's been before a while they'll tell me they'll say hey coach um I can't really do it or that's too much. And I can see it before they even say it, but, you know, they'll just tell me anyway. And so, you know, when you're looking at that, you always want to make sure that they're not overstriding. Um, posture plays another important role. I've kind of alluded to it, but I didn't really dive into it, but posture plays an important role um, as far as speed goes because there is a such thing as too much. In track, you, you usually see the forward lean at the finish line, uh, at the finish marker, you know, when they do the little rock forward and then pop back up, you usually see it then. But as far as just speed in general for football, baseball, basketball, whatever, posture is very important. Um, you don't want to, like, if you look at, um, man, I cannot think of his name now, uh, U.S. US track runner, um, I cannot think of his name, but anyway, if you guys look at someone like Michael Johnson, for instance, I had to go look it up. Um, he ran with a very upright running style, and that works for some people, but you have to have a long, uh, strong 
lower half in order to mimic that and make it pay off. And you have to have a strong core as well to maintain that position for an extended period of time. He was a great 400-meter runner. But for the most part, when running, you, you want to have a slight forward lean but not an exaggerated forward lean. So when we're talking about posture, that's what we're talking about. Uh, it wants to be slight, maybe like 45 degrees. Um, if I had to just give a degree to it, uh, somewhere at 45 degrees, definitely not 90, definitely not 90, and definitely not standing up in, as, as you know, naturally in a neutral position. But you want to have a slight forward lean in order to produce great leg drive and you also want to <clears throat> you also want to have a lean enough especially when you play sports that are multi-directional like football basketball stuff like that you also want to have a lean enough that where when you make a cut or you make a move you're you're still balanced up you're still able to recover yourself pretty good and maintain speed throughout the break throughout the cut throughout the change of direction whatever it is that you're that you're doing so posture is very important. And so you like when we're training these things, if you have a trainer, if you don't have a trainer, it's all the same. If you are a trainer, listen up. So how do we train to become faster? Um, there are many things that we can do. We, we definitely have to get the hips unlocked. Many people have have tight hips. So we had to make sure the hips are unlocked. We had to make sure that the, the posterior chain is firing. When I mean by that posterior chain, I'm talking about that lower back the glutes and the hamstrings, uh, those are the go muscles. They ain't, they aren't, they aren't the show, but they are the go. Those are the things that that allow us to cycle those legs through pretty quick. Allow us to build up a lot of speed. Allow us to take off and maintain. Um, so we have to make sure that those things are strong and that they're they're not only strong, but but you're flexible as well and they're loose uh, because you don't want to have just super tight muscles or super tight tight uh ligaments joints all that stuff going in because you won't get the max potential from your body that you're looking for so we want to have those things and then we want to make sure we put together put together a program that suits what it is that we're trying to do you can't go into like when programming for anything like if you have a trainer and you're fortunate and they're good at programming you will know it. you'll be able to see results you'll know what you're doing makes sense but you can't go into any program and treat it like a, a bowl of spaghetti and just throw it at the wall because you don't know if you're getting better. You don't know if you're getting worse. And you also can't check your progression. Like every program has to have a peak point. Um, that's something that I learned from powerlifting where they have these peaking programs. But And I felt like that should go for every sport. Every program needs a peak point. So once you finish that program, you should be peaking out in the program to do the best you can do. Anybody that's watched a movie, I think it's called Boat, about, excuse me, about Usain Boat, sees in his program, he's a track, a sprint, a track sprinter, where he had uh, moments where he uh, worked out on grass, he had moments where he worked out on the track, he had moments where he worked out in the water, so on and so forth, because it's all about being smart. Like, you can't go beat up, if you if you're a track runner, you can't go beat up the track every day. Like, probably to the common man, that makes sense to go to the track each every day, run sprints, and try to get better. But that's not the smartest thing to do. Most time, like for the hundred meter dash, uh, for hundred meter dash sprinters, 
uh, we'll, we'll use that. I'm, I'm talking about different sports. I'm talking about football. Now I'm talking about track. So for 100-meter sprinters, for instance, we'll go and I know with my son or uh, shared he runs track. And so we we worked on when he when his first year running track, they had him on 100 meters. He, he wasn't a 100-meter runner, but they had him working on 100 or, or participating in a 100-meter dash. And so we worked, we worked out for it. And so when we were working on explosive days, or days where we're working on the takeoff and getting to top speed and accelerating up to top speed, but taking up the most, the majority of the track to accelerate, then hold at top speed. We did a lot of 60 meter sprints, 50 meter sprints, things like that. And then when we worked on completing the whole race, then we did 150 meter sprints, 200 meter sprints. Now you probably saying to yourself, well, just that don't really make a whole lot of sense to me, but this is the reason that you will want to over overcompensate when doing those sprints is because if i if i work with you for the 100 meter sprints what's naturally gonna happen anybody that knows you're gonna run for 100 meters and you ain't gonna run the full 100 meters you'll probably run for 80 meters cut it off and coast on through but if you can train your body to run 150 meters 200 meters okay you still strong at the end of a 100 meter race to not only maintain and hold that speed, but to blow through and maybe even set records or or just win a bunch of medals and get a bunch of nice placements because you're able to do that. And so, you know, that's where coming and having and having a good a good training regimen, a good program helps you. And that's and, and that's just talking about how to train. Of course, you want to do single leg bounds. You want to do uh, stiff leg runs. You want to do cycle uh, runs where you getting the hip throughout complete cycle as quick as possible in the shortest amount of time as possible while also producing a lot of force. So you may do marches or, or high knee marches or you may, like I said, do cycles. Things like, I'm going to put I'm gonna put this stuff on YouTube, but I, I do need, to, need you guys to visually see what it is I'm talking about. And you do these things in order to become faster. And that's where the technique comes in. Whenever you're sprinting, of course, we want that stride length and that stride frequency, but we also want that ground force and those revolutions per second. We want those things to happen. And so we have to figure out how to get the foot to the ground, how to produce a lot of a lot of uh, force, get the foot back up off the ground, cycle it through and then get it back down to the ground again. Um, a lot of times you want to a lot of times you want to keep your feet under your hips. So you don't really want to get your knees or your feet in front of the body or way or lagging uh way behind your body because then you're losing power you're losing speed you're losing time and so you want to make sure that you're getting your foot right under the hip to produce that power also you want to make sure that your foot is dorsiflex and not plantar plantar flex in the uh in a cycling phase so when it's coming back through that gate a lot of times especially if you're not a sprinter it's easy to let their, their ankle relax let their foot drop and again you're adding time and you're getting slower and these are the few things that I want to talk to you guys about when it came to speed because, you know, I know that people talk about speed kills. You can't compensate for speed, 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 speed. We want to be faster. And that's why I hear from athletes time and time again, every offseason, I want to be faster, I want to be quicker, I want to be stronger, this, that, whatever. But all those things are fine and dandy, but you also have to have a plan. You also have to have some sort of peaking program, and you also have to be able to know, okay, what is it? What is it? When you're sitting down, especially as an athlete, when you're sitting down, and you say, I want to be faster. Okay, what do you consider faster? Is it a tenth of a second? Is it two tenths of a second? Like, what do you consider faster? Because 
if you run a five flat now, realistically speaking, it's hard to cut two tenths of a second off, but it's possible. But let's be, you know, realistic. Okay, worst case scenario, this is where I want to be, and I'll still be content, or I'll still be happy. You know what I'm saying? That's what you have to think about when setting these goals. It's like when you say, I want to be quicker. Okay, what's your definition of being quicker? Is it uh, making a cleaner break? Is it being smoother out of your breaks? Is it being able to flip your hips if you're a defensive lineman? Is it being able to, to flip your hips if you're an offensive lineman? Is it being able to kick back a little quicker? Like, what's your definition of quicker? And so for everything, you have to be able to set some sort of some sort of, of uh, not boundary, some sort of bar. That's what, that's what I'm looking for. Set a bar for yourself in order to reach what it is you're trying to do. Because when we set a bunch of general goals, then we have general ideas, we have general thoughts, and we have general results. So that's why I say if you just say, I want to get faster, okay, what's your definition of getting faster? Are you smart enough? Are you are you doing things like, even if you're coaching, are you programming it right? Are you doing applied metrics some days? Are you doing long runs some days, short runs some days? Are you changing the surface? So when I say about changing the surface, are you running on turf? Are you running on grass? Are you working on, running on sand some days? Are you running on the track some days? Like, are you running on water some days? I mean, all the it's it's a it, if I was to talk about a complete speed program, which I may do a, a podcast on, a, like how to how to write that out, how to make out a complete speed program, it could be. Man, that that could be all day long. That'll be a seminar by the time I got done. But the purpose of this podcast is to give you guys the most within a nutshell that I can. And so I hope you guys take take what I've discussed in this podcast, implement it into your regimen, implement it into your routine, and um and I hope that you're able to glean from this podcast. Also, when you're working on speed or if we want to be explosive. Hey, work on the quads. The quads are our explosive muscles. They they get us going. They shoot us out that cannon whenever we get whenever we, we really get going. And you gotta have nice nice uh calves that prevents injuries such as plantar fasciitis, such as having uh and you don't want to have tight Achilles either. Uh, that that comes like if you if you training those uh calves, make sure you stretching them too because you don't want to have tight Achilles because a ruptured Achilles is a, a whole year out. So. You know, you even want to add plyometrics into your program. So, of course, we got basic box jumps, but we also want to add unilateral plyometrics. Also, unilateral strength work as well is, is how you how you add speed. You know, doing one-legged squats, one-leg deadlifts, single-leg exercises, things like that. I mean, that's it's like I said, if I if I talked about this in depth, it it could go it could be a seminar. But I hope you guys gleaned a lot from this podcast. I hope you guys learned a lot from this podcast. I hope you guys take these things, not only just listening to it, but take them and implement them into your routine. Implement them with your team. Implement them with your clients. Implement them within your personal your your personal uh your personal aspirations. And be amazed at the results. Set uh set logical goals for yourself and reach them. Because nothing in life is free, nothing in life is easy, but things can be as easy as we would like or as hard as we would like, but it starts in the mind. Whatever you tell your mind to do, the body will follow. So, guys, as always, I'm excited. I'm I'm, I'm really glad that I was able to, to get this episode out and do it. It's been on my mind for a little while now, and I, I've had time to do uh, do this episode and do a few episodes uh, and, and really push them out. And make sure I'm giving you guys good quality content and giving you guys what you want. That way you guys ain't got to wait for me all the time. And as I say all the time, get 1% better, 1% better each and every day. Do the things the legends do. Take the road that's less travel and be legendary.